Okay. So we have a guest on today, and her name is Sarah Vadness. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, Sarah. So you and I met on the Horse Business Mastermind group that we have on Facebook. And really, I, I'm i not sure that I know exactly what it is that you do with horses. I know you have a coaching business, a personal coaching business, and you talked a bit about that. Now, do you have a horse business too? Yes, ma'am, I do. Excellent. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So I'll start by just asking, have you heard about like energetic bodies or auras, energetic fields, things like that before? Oh, yeah, yeah. What I do is a lot like Reiki. Um, because horses have those auras or energetic bodies, um, sometimes they'll have an injury or a trauma that can become locked up in that area, and that will manifest in their physical body. So they will, I'll just give you my personal example. My horse had a, a hoof injury, and it was a legitimate injury, and he got um, special shoes, and two weeks after he got those shoes on and should have been feeling better, he still was limping on, like, grass. It was kind of ridiculous, you know? And so I ran some energy processes on him, and at that point in time, I really didn't have a clue what I was doing. I hadn't had any, like, formal training um, but I just kind of thought, Hey, I'll give it a shot. And I went out there and I did it and I turned him out in the pasture and he like galloped out to his friends, which was something that he usually did. Um, cause he was the, the boss man of the herd. And so he would always run out and kind of shake his head at everybody and put them in their place, you know, Hey, I'm back. And now I'm back in charge and you guys need to knock it off. And he did that. And I didn't really think anything of it because he, that was normal for him, except Two weeks later, it occurred to me that it wasn't normal because, you know, 20 minutes earlier, he had been lame. He had been lame. <laughs> yeah, so, so what did you do for the energy fields? What, what, how did that come about and how, how did you correct his energy? And it, how would energy manifest itself in lameness? So what I, what I was aware of with him after two weeks of having on the therapeutic shoes and you know, talking to the farrier and man, he really shouldn't be limping anymore because it wasn't that bad. You know, it occurred to me like, oh, well, what if he just thinks it hurts because it hurt for a while. And so he doesn't like somewhere he's decided, oh, it hurts for me to walk. So I have to be really careful. And what if he's like just locked in that mode and he can't unlock himself? And so I just went in and I just, because like I said, I hadn't had any formal training, so I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> but I just put my hands on him and I started asking questions. So things like whatever you've decided about your foot that is no longer real, can we just let that go now? Can we move on and, and have a different choice available? And I just would ask that question over and over, and then, then I would get an awareness of a, a different question. So I would move to a different question, and, you know, it's been several years, so I don't remember exactly what questions I asked, but 
Then I noticed without even thinking that my hands were kind of stroking him and I wasn't just standing there with my hands on him anymore. And I was just doing like long body strokes and I was just asking these questions, you know, whatever this is, can we move beyond that now and whatever this is? And then I so so it was kind of a an intuitive thing. You just right. kind of relaxed and let the horse kind of speak through you, I guess right. would be a way to say it. And you can't you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm nodding my head <laughs> with you because I'm thinking, okay, I I because I can really understand that a lot of people don't realize it, but if you just kind of spend some time with your horse and get in tune with them, then they will let you know what's happening with them right Right. so right they really do and so after the long strokes I started you know how like if you have a a crumb on your shirt or something how you kind of dust your shirt off Um, oh yeah I get a lot of crumbs I eat a lot of crummy (laughs) cookies and you maybe you saw me last time we were on the video chat I was eating tea and cookies so I do I I uh I whisk off a lot yeah. of cookie crumbs, yeah. So I know that I know that movement, yeah. Yeah, so I just kind of started doing that all over his body. And all the while, just kind of like, can we let this go? And I even got to the point where I was just saying, whatever this is, can we let it go? Whatever this is, can you let it go? And just doing this kind of dusting off motion. And then, I, like I said, no formal training. So I was pretty much like, well, I, I don't know. I guess I'm done. I don't, I don't know what else to do. And so I just put him outside (laughs) and a week later he was like trotting on gravel and I completely sound no issues whatsoever. And I still didn't make the connection that, Oh yeah, I did that. (laughs) So, so you did it one time. So one time and kind of he cleared his energy. Yeah. Wow, excellent. And so then once it once that light bulb went off, I was like, Oh my gosh, I wanna like learn more and actually do this and maybe have a clue what's going on a little bit. <laughs> so that was kinda how I got started um moving in this direction, working with horses. Excellent. So do you have a website for that? Sarah. I do. It is. So what's your, yeah, just give out your website address so when people listen, they can go to your website. Sure. It is www.healing-horses.com. Healing-horses.com. Yep. Excellent. And you've got some, or do you have any how-tos there, or is it to sign up for uh, a session with you? Can you do it distance-wise, or do you... you I can do it distance-wise, because what I'll actually do, um, I've done this with a couple of people, I actually coach them through the process. So they will go out, like the one gal I worked with, she was out in the barn, she had me on speaker, and I talked to her through, you know like kind of clearing her mind and and allowing herself to connect with her horse so that she could, and I told her like maybe put like a hand on his chest and a hand up on his withers to start and then just kind of go where they go. And I just talked her through everything and um, have her then do it on the horse so that she, and the cool thing is I got an email from one gal like, I think two years later that was like, 
you know, you're going to smack me when I tell you this, but oh my gosh, I did it. I was having trouble with my horse. And then I thought, oh, I have those notes from when I worked with Sarah. And she said, I went back and I looked at everything. And I think I had sent her a recording of our phone call so that she could listen to it and refresh herself. And she was like, I listened to that. And I went out to the barn and I did it. And I, I know you'll be like, well, yeah, but oh my gosh, I did it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's good. It's good that people can help their horses that way, right? So the horses are comfortable. Have you ever met a horse that wasn't able to clear? Like if they have a lot of baggage or if they just are too tense, they don't want to, aren't comfortable letting go? I have actually. Um, I had a horse that I worked with. He had, um, I think he had a bone chip. He was a retired racehorse that they had bought for their little girl to do um, some hunter jumper on and shortly after getting him, he came up lame and they discovered, I think it was a bone chip and he was on stall rest. I think at the time I worked with him for five months and he was a thoroughbred on stall rest or rest for five months. Yeah. Nice. But here's the crazy thing. He wasn't nuts. He, he would literally stand in the back corner of his stall with his head hanging. He was so depressed. It was so oh, sad. Poor baby. And he, when I went in to clean his stall, he would like almost cower in the back. And I would just talk to him while I was cleaning his stall. And I was just like, buddy, I won't touch you unless you want to be touched. Like other horses, you go in to clean their stall and you walk up and pat them on the shoulder or whatever. And you could, I mean, he just sent out this huge signal of, oh gosh, please don't touch me. You know, like just, I don't even know what his baggage was. Um, but then they started wanting him hand walked. And so I helped with that. And I would even halter him without touching him, which is very hard to do. <laughs> But you put the halter on his head without touching his head. Yeah. So you just kind of stood there and duke. Yeah. Put it over I top. I just held on to the strap of the halter and the strap of the or the buckle side, and I put it on him so that my hands never made contact with him. And I just I wanted him to know, like I'm very respectful of the fact that you don't want to be touched. I I wanted him to know that, and so I made every effort to never have to touch him. And after probably three or four weeks, I approached his owner and I said, Hey, I've learned this new energy stuff. Would you be willing to just kind of let me try it out on him and see what happens? Like I won't make any guarantees. And she was like, sure, whatever. Um, so I worked with him. Um, and by, by the time I asked, he had actually gotten to the point where he would approach me and let me touch him. So he started to trust you really. Right. He got to know you a little bit and started to trust you so that you could touch him when you put the halter on him anyway, I guess. <laughs> so I did some work on him. And with him, I think it was probably four sessions before there was any kind of a difference in his demeanor and stuff. Um, by the So I did two sessions one weekend and two sessions the next weekend. And the third weekend, when I went in to work, there was a note on the board that said, we had to change his feed, he's climbing the walls, don't give him any alfalfa, only give him half the grain, you know, all this stuff. 
So you got him out of his depression, really. So he started feeling better. Well, that's really good. Yeah. So then um, I think the next week they scheduled him for training and he went back into training and um, they moved him to a training barn. So I didn't see him anymore after that. But um, yeah, he in about a month's time, you know, and with him, it took a little longer because he clearly had a lot of baggage. Um, And just it's really exciting. So those are some of your really good successes. Yes. Good. Now, do you have any flops? What's one of your biggest flops that you <laughs> remember? No one likes, everybody likes to talk about their successes, but let's, uh, what's some of the, something that maybe didn't work out so good for you? Yeah. You know, I think my, my biggest flop was probably, again, my own horse, a different one of my own horses, but um, he's a four-year-old and he hates the trailer. I, I am assuming he grew up on a very fancy thoroughbred farm where I don't think he ever rode in anything smaller than a semi-truck. So, okay. <laughs> so when he sees my trailer, he's like, I'm sorry, but you want me to what? Because that's not a horse trailer. <laughs> and so oh, funny. I kind of joke that he just looks at Is it a ramp or a step up? It's a step up. Oh, there you go, too, right? Yep, yep. And it's a straight load. Oh, straight load, step up. I've got one of those, too. And, he, yeah, he just <laughs> looks at me like, yeah, you're on crack or something. I don't know, but that's not a horse trailer. Um, so I was, it was hot, and I was frustrated because he wouldn't get in. And I thought, you know, this is ridiculous because I know you've hauled before, number one, because you got from Florida to here. So, I know you've done this before, and I just was so frustrated, and I forgot that I have these tools in my toolbox, <laughs> and um, I think it was probably three or four hours of just really stressful attempts at getting him in the trailer. That it did. So all your healing energy release work went right out the window you went straight for the the bucket of grain and uh, oh yeah (laughs) yeah and um it ended it 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 culminated in him getting two injections of a sedative and still not wanting to get on the trailer and my husband and the other the man who was had housed him for a few days, locking arms and literally lifting him onto the trailer. <laughs> I think I think anybody's on a horse has had to deal with that type of thing. I, I like to think that we've all had to do that, but oh my gosh, I can just picture it too. Again, trying to get this dopey horse on the trailer. And it was I don't even know how hot it was. We were in Kentucky and it was so it was summer and it was hot. And the other horse is standing in the trailer, like, sweating, like... Oh, you had a horse on the trailer already. Totally threw everything out the window, forgot all the stuff I know, and was just, like, in panic mode, basically. I flipped that switch from, like, being able to think and use my brain to, oh, my gosh, I have a horse that's going to die of dehydration because he's stuck in this heat trap because we have no air moving because this one won't get on. In business-wise, what what do you think the number one reason people succeed in their business and 
some people don't. Yeah. It sounds like you have a successful business, and and your business, so the the horse energy business, I would think is kind of on the outside of what people normally think of as a horse business. And what are some of the roadblocks that you face in your energy business? So I think the number one reason some people succeed and some people don't is the people who are successful take action towards their target every single day. They don't do it sometimes and then take three weeks off and then come back to it and then take a month off and then come back to it. Taking a little bit of action every day. So you have a plan and you take action towards that plan. Yep, every single day. That's a really good piece of advice because I know that some days I don't really want to do stuff. And so I get on Facebook and I look at this (laughs) and I look at that. Right, and it eats up your whole day. I know that I have to have a plan. I have to have a schedule between 10 and 11. i got to do this. And 11 till 12, I have to do this because if I don't do that, then I'm... I just feel lost. So that's a really good piece of advice. Right. I like that. Um, as far as roadblocks, I think my biggest roadblock is myself in in every way possible. I don't run into anybody else getting in my way. Only I get in my way. So, um, you know, Would that come under the self-sabotage right. idea type of thing? Yeah, very, very much in that same family. You know, it's either going to be that I'm not taking the necessary actions every day, that I um, maybe I've got some negative self-talk where I'm telling myself, you know, oh, well, I can't do it or, oh, people wouldn't be interested or, you know, whatever types of, I mean, you can come up with a million excuses for why you shouldn't do something. And I think those are really the only thing that stop us in pretty much any endeavor is what we do to get in our own way. Well, I know that I think uh, I think I told you this uh, the other night is that when you posted for your Sarah Vadness coaching program, you said, are you waiting for your ship to come in? And when I, I don't know what it was about that, it just kind of hit me that, yeah, you know what, I am waiting and it's like you say that those self-sabotaging things that yeah I'm waiting until I get a better microphone I'm waiting I you know people don't want to talk to me or people are think it's going to be a stupid idea that I want to interview horse business people and when I saw that I thought you know what I'm just gonna have to do it yeah I'm just gonna have to do it and if it doesn't work out well I'll move on to something else right but you'll so that that was a big aha moment for me when I read that and I want to thank you for that for sure you're welcome I'm glad that it touched you in that way because you know it's kind of like you said when you know you think well I don't know if anybody's going to listen I don't know whatever you have the same thing you know any blog post you write anything you post on Facebook you're you don't know if anybody even stops to read it so (laughs) it's good when I hear something like that I'm like yeah Get a little bit of positive feedback right Right. positive feedback will help you carry on that's right it does so, okay, so let's get, talk a little bit about equitation now. So equitation for all you horse riders. Why is good equitation and riding well so important? Why do you think good riding is important? Well, I feel like when I say this that we've all heard it a million times, but our body affects our horse's body. So if we're not using our bodies well, if we're not being effective in our communication, 
then how can we expect the horse to give us the desired response? How can we expect him to perform flawless movements if we're sitting up there like a stack of potatoes and we're crooked and we're, we're not paying attention to our own body? And I think riding well, if you're not doing that, you're going to block him from performing every single time in, in one way or another. And some horses are, are trained well enough that they can compensate for that to a degree, but there comes a point when they won't be able to compensate anymore for bad riding, and they'll begin to develop issues with st- soreness and stiffness and things like that because they're trying to compensate for, for bad equitation. It's so important not only for if you're a competitor and you, you, know, you want the high marks and all of that stuff, but it's so important for the horse's health so that he's not twisting himself to try to make up for our imbalances. Right. I, I totally agree with you. You have to ride in balance just so your horse can perform better. And that's what good equitation is, really, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so what, what's the biggest challenge you see with people are struggling with, with their horse? I would say the, the two biggest things that I would see is uh, consistency and connection. You know, we don't get out to the barn as often as we'd like or something comes up and we're supposed, you know, maybe we go out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or but on Monday I have a doctor's appointment and then on Wednesday one of the kids was sick and, you know, there's all of these things and it's partly just life. Um, but then we... So not when you say connecting with your horse, you don't mean from hind orders up through the bit to the horse's hand while you're riding you mean actually making a connection with your horse while you're grooming it or leading it or letting it graze and having that relationship right so you know we get to the barn and we're on a schedule and we have to hurry and I only have 30 minutes to ride and and I didn't get out here yesterday like I planned and so now I have to make up for it and I have this checklist of things I want to cover and we don't even check in with the horse to see where he's at. As riders, we just, as you say, we're on a schedule. We just don't even, we think of it as an object that we can just pull out like a bicycle and get on and ride it and put it away. Right, right. Yeah. And and when the horse, you know, maybe he can't accommodate that. Maybe, maybe he twisted his leg and he's just a little sore or, you know, who knows. He got in a little bit of roughhousing with a pasture mate and, you know, for some reason he can't accommodate that. And then we get frustrated because he's not performing. And then he's confused because he doesn't know why we're frustrated because, and if you just. So, so I guess that, well, sorry to interrupt you, but the, the second part of that is what are some tips you could give somebody right now to help people who are listening to prevent or correct that problem you just talked about, about the connection? Sure. I think take a breath. Take a moment and check in with your horse. Um, you can even ask some questions. So I'll give you a little a tool that I actually give to people when I'm coaching. It's called light and heavy. And if you can think of, um, if you can kind of focus in on your gut and think, how does? Okay, so I'll give you an I'll give you a statement. You are amazingly powerful beyond anything that you have ever 
possibly imagined or dreamed, and you have the capacity to do intensely wonderful things. So when you connect in with your gut, how, how does that feel in your gut versus you are just a worthless sack of nothingness and you will no, well, come out. I, and- I can't even hear the rest of that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even want to hear the rest of that. Yeah. One. So that's light and heavy. So the light thing is the truth of you and the heavy thing is the lie. So you can use that with your horse. So you can go out to the barn and you can say, um, is my horse available to make a true connection here today? Is my horse okay to work today? Does my horse have any baggage that he's dealing with today? And you can kind of check in with these questions. And if when you ask, if, if you say, can I make a connection here? And, and you get that light, bouncy kind of feeling in your gut, then yes, you can make a connection here today. If you ask, is my horse okay to do some light work today? And you get that light, airy kind of feeling, then yes, he's okay. If you say, is my horse okay to do some Grand Prix schooling today and it feels like someone sucker punched you in your gut, then he's probably not going to be up for that level of movement. Now, something, you know, maybe underneath that, sure, but maybe not that level. So you can check in and see where your horse is at by using that light and heavy. And then you can also use it as you're riding. If you're asking your horse to do something and it's just not getting through, you can ask, am I miscommunicating or is there a physical issue here that's preventing this from you cue for a canter to part and he can't do it? Well, is it because you're cueing wrong or is it because he's hurting and he can't physically do it? <laughs> exactly. So there's two, there's two parts to that. Is he able to do it and doesn't understand, or is he unable to do it because he physically unable? Because sometimes horses can't do it because of their age or training or... What have you, right? Like you said, maybe he got kicked and he's just kind of sore and, you know, he's not feeling 100%. Just under the weather, the cold's getting to him or something. All right, well, Sarah, I want to thank you so much. That was really good, really interesting. I I learned a lot from our talk today. And could you send your thoughts and your energy out to encourage people to listen and encourage people to take time with their horses and also your website healing-horses.com is that correct yes ma'am healing-horses.com all right well thank you so much sarah thank you laura it was a pleasure talking with you today thank you thank you